The artist Frank Stella was born in 1936. He first burst on the scene in 1959 with a series of black striped paintings, which directly challenged one of the art world's dominant trends at the time, abstract expressionism. In the 1960s, after several visits to the Middle East, he produced what are now referred to as the Protractor series of paintings, multicolored, concentric, semi- and quarter circles arranged in boxes. In 2010, one of those paintings, Damascus Gate Stretch Variation 2, was sold in Abu Dhabi for $5 million. And in 2012, another of those paintings, Takti Suleiman Variation 2, became the inspiration for the color of the Planet Money Ladies T-shirt, a violet shade of pink known as Sheer Rose. It's one of the pink used in a lot of the Stella painting. This is Letitia Lassine, creative director at the apparel company Jockey. And you can think of Letitia as one soldier in a small army of people, creative directors at fashion houses, apparel companies, fashion magazines, who determine what you and I and pretty much everyone else in the world wears. She and all her creative director peers are constantly scouring the culture for the next new thing. Which museums are putting on big retrospectives? Which artists are coming back into vogue? And for the last several years, Frank Stella has been having a bit of a moment. High-end designers started using shapes and colors that were in his paintings and clothes they were designing. Trend forecasters started mentioning his work, which then showed up in briefing books at mass-market apparel companies and eventually made its way into this book that I'm holding right now in my hand, Spring 2013, Jockey International a three-ring binder listing key artists of 2013. And there he is on the same page as a couple of paintings by Surratt. And there it is, the pink, our pink, sheer rose running through that painting. We can project that pink is going to be wanted. Mm -hmm. That sheer rose. How do you know? Everything is pretty much pre-written, right? So they have already seen it on TV, worn by some movie stars. They've seen it in TV shows. They've seen it on um, catwalk show, if they do look at that. Or they've seen it in home decor. They've seen that color filtering through. So this color has been burrowing its way into our subconscious for a couple of years now. And and now, and now, and now, so that now when we're shopping at, you know, Target or whatever, we're like, oh, that's the color I want. We're going to think that. Yeah. Subconsciously and consciously, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I like that color, but you cannot really explain why, but there's a reason why. You. (laughs) I wish. Hello, and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Caitlin Kenny. Today on the show, what the color of our T-shirt has to do with art halfway around the world and why stealing in the fashion world might be good for everyone. So, Caitlin, as regular listeners probably know, we are making a T-shirt. We've been talking about it a lot this week and last week. And this shirt, we're very excited about. It will tell you the story of its own creation. That's right. We're going to report on every phase of the T-shirt's development, from where the cotton is grown to where the yarn is spun to where the shirts themselves are cut and sewn. And we are right now in the middle of selling you, our listeners, that shirt. You can essentially pre-order that shirt online at this crowdfunding site called Kickstarter. If you go there and pledge 25 bucks or more, we will send you a shirt when our shirts are done. 
And it's now getting down to the end of our campaign. There are just four more days left to get the shirt. At the end of the day on Tuesday, the Planet Money t-shirt will no longer be available. So if you want one, go to kickstarter.com right now. And there has been a lot of discussion on Kickstarter about the colors we chose for our shirt. A lot of discussion, some controversy, you might say. Uh, And today, we wanted to take the time to explain the fascinating story of where our colors actually came from. You will not believe it. The idea that the reason we chose pink is because of a painting done in 1967, I'll admit, It kind of sounds hard to believe. But when we talked to the folks at Jockey about this, they were dead serious. And it's not just paintings that they're looking at. One of the biggest influences and what we're all seeing on store shelves right now is actually a building, an unfinished building, a museum being built halfway around the world in Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi is opening a second Louvre museum, which is supposed to rival the original Louvre in Paris. And the architecture is pretty staggering. It's on this island off the coast of Abu Dhabi, right on the water. And keep in mind, this building does not exist yet. All we have are digital renderings of what it's supposed to look like when it's finished around 2015. But the renderings, they show a series of modular buildings and then this huge dome on top. This dome, it looks almost lunar. Letitia Lassine and I looked at a picture of it, and it's got these long, swooping lines and then holes all through where the light can filter through the roof to the rooms below. This looks like a modern version of a lace or an embroidery or some kind of a laser-cut fabric. The translation of that would potentially lead you to utilize very organic material with transparency and sheer patterns mixed with very linear underneath garments that are very structured. And the museum in Abu Dhabi is directly involved in our t-shirt as well because of the artwork they'll be showing. If you look through this book, this binder we have here from Jockey, there's a page in here featuring paintings by David Hockney, Raoul Dufy, Jackson Pollock. And when you look through these paintings, you see throughout them the color of our men's shirt, this lantern gray. And Letitia said that for her it became obvious that the museums in Abu Dhabi, there's actually another one being built besides the Louvre, it became obvious that they were going to be driving a lot of the discussion in the fashion world fairly early. There's a lot of talk about it. It kept coming back and coming back and coming Uh, back. News of the museum kept coming up and the things you were reading, that sort of thing. And you'd see it linked to here or see an article about it there. From an architecture standpoint of view, from from a design standpoint of view, paintings that were going to be exhibited, all that things. It, it just came coming back. So it, it was just a given, almost. And, and is there a creative director in New York City who does not know that there are these museums opening in Abu Dhabi? I'm, I believe all creative directors do know that this is in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Everybody knows about yes. Abu Dhabi. Yes, yes. It should be the focus. It is the focus. I'm looking in all our reports, Uh and I'm going to put in Abu Dhabi and see if I get anything. I know. I know this seems crazy. Really? An unbuilt museum determining what color my T-shirt is? But we called around. We talked to Sharon Grobard at StyleSight, their trend forecasting company. They compile reports about what's going to be hot, and they sell them to lots of people throughout the fashion and design industry. And it turns out Abu Dhabi was indeed something they've been talking about. Interesting. A lot of things came up. Abu Dhabi, they refer to a building in Abu Dhabi that is covered with an umbrella. 
and we're talking about those kind of curved lines influencing fashion. Uh, yes, okay. that's the one. So it exactly. looks lunar, right? Yes. It almost looks lunar. And yeah. then at the same time, it has this kind of mesh uh, structure and mesh and all kinds of kind of uh, what is called spacer materials, these very high-tech materials with kind of mesh in between the layers are very, very important. And people are really experimenting with these mesh-like fabrics. It is always hard to pinpoint exactly the moment when something like a museum in Abu Dhabi enters the fashion discussion. Letitia Lassine, a jockey, couldn't remember when she first became aware that Abu Dhabi was shaping trends. But Sharon's search provided a clue. Uh, Well, Sex and the City went to Abu Dhabi for their Sex and the City, too. That was a big influence. And that might be where it came from. Despite all of Letitia's and Sharon's best efforts to put their fingers on the zeitgeist, though, despite the long meetings and late nights and the endless discussions reviewing hundreds of different swatches of color, trying to find exactly the right hue, discussions we've been told that can actually turn into fights, ultimately, they don't control the decisions of us consumers. We can still surprise them, reject what they offer, and... For them, getting it wrong, that's an expensive mistake. When you see great big sales at, you know, in the store and you're like, oh, my God, this is great because it's 80 percent off, like someone's fired. This is Sophia Waxman, a clothing designer at Macy's. And she lives in that same anxious world as Letitia and Sharon, trying to predict the desires of the occasionally surprising American consumer. I mean, we're, we're in trouble for those kind of things. Um, the reason being that because somebody thought like, oh, this is going to be a big seller. This is going to be something that people that everybody's going to want. And everybody didn't want it, basically. Yeah, that can happen. Everybody didn't want it. If you think about it, Sophia and Letitia, they are faced with this pretty impossible task, trying to figure out what we want. We're humans. We're fickle creatures. And also we as consumers, we want two different things at once. Joanna Blakely researches pop culture in the fashion industry. There are several sociologists and cultural studies scholars who have looked at the dynamics of flocking and differentiation, that there's a human desire to demonstrate that you're aware of what's in vogue right now, and also a desire to make sure that you don't look like everybody else. And so that's how trends are constructed to offer you different iterations of a particular kind of look that's in right now, but allows you to select one piece of that spectrum to sort of demonstrate your differentiation from everyone else. So how do you help people stand out a little bit while also fitting in with everyone else? You do a lot of copying. Copy, tweak slightly, copy some more. That is the cycle in the fashion industry. Letitia Lassine, a jockey, calls it being on the same page as everyone else, but with your own handwriting. And if you ever pick up any fashion magazine, you can see this demonstrated so clearly. I was just at the hair salon the other day, and I picked up a magazine, and they're saying the look of the moment is the denim shirt. And there's one denim shirt at the top. I think it was, you know, a couple hundred bucks. But then there were 20 different varieties below, all different brands, all different prices, but still, you know, kind of the same look, the same style, just with a slight little tweak here or there. Can I tell you, Caitlin, that I actually instigated that fashion trend back in 1973 <laughs> when I was 12? Nice. So you're the inspiration. <laughs> I did have a denim shirt back then. Did you wear with denim pants? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> um, 
And this is what happens all the time in the fashion industry. Copying, not exact copying, although that does happen too, but taking inspiration from. I talked to one designer who actually moved to a new company and her boss, the head of design at that new company, gave her a bunch of clothes that she was supposed to borrow inspiration from. One of the t-shirts he gave her was one that she herself had designed in a previous job. She was supposed to literally rip herself off. (laughs) Now, the thing that makes fashion different is that unlike other industries, music, entertainment, pharmaceuticals, copying in fashion is perfectly legal. And that makes Cal Rustiala happy. Which is kind of strange because Cal, he's an intellectual property lawyer. He's the kind of guy you hire when you want to protect yourself from someone else stealing your ideas. But Cal, he's also the author of this book called The Knockoff Economy, How Imitation Sparks Innovation. We normally think that copying is bad for creativity because if you're copied, or if you know you will be copied, you won't create in the first place or you won't invest in creation as much. And so copying will eventually destroy creativity. And and that's sort of a standard axiomatic sort of principle. If you don't have strong intellectual property, you will not have as much innovation. Yeah, that's, that's the underlying principle. That's why we have intellectual property law, generally speaking. You need to give a pharmaceutical company an exclusive right over their drug because they pour an enormous amount of money into creating it. And if you don't, they would never pour that enormous amount of money in. So that's the underlying it's, – it's a, it's a very instrumental theory of creativity. Right. And so in the fashion context, what was interesting to us is that there is no copyright protection for fashion design, yet we see a lot of creativity. Copying didn't actually hurt creativity very much. In fact, it may help it. The argument goes like this. This might be hard, Caitlin, but just pretend I'm a super fancy guy. I like fancy clothes. I don't want to wear what anyone else is wearing, so I buy a lot of super high-end brand-name designer clothing. And when I start to see the regular rabble out there wearing knockoffs of my clothes, I get rid of them and move on to something new, which means more business for high-end designers. The, those early adopters seek out the next new, new thing faster than they would otherwise. And the industry, being a competitive industry, responds with new designs. So we see a lot more churning. Another way to think about it is there are more designs being put out to try to grab uh, those, those most fashion-conscious consumers because they are already sick of whatever it was that they bought six months ago. Now, we should say, of course, that not all designers think this whole system is great. Every once in a while, someone will try and get a law passed to bring copyright into the fashion industry. But so far, they haven't been successful. One reason? How do you enforce a law like that? Letitia Lassine, she can't remember where she first saw Abu Dhabi. And Sophia Waxman, the designer from Macy's, she says trying to figure out who had the idea first, where things came from, that could be a nightmare. The whole fashion industry whether you are way up high, whether you're Marc Jacobs or whether you're The Gap or whomever, they take inspiration from each other. So how does – I'm not sure how you pinpoint where it actually – who did it first. When it comes to our T-shirt, we are definitely doing a lot of copying. Our colors are clearly on the bandwagon with everyone else. But when it comes to our actual design, that squirrel – That didn't come from anywhere but our own heads. And, of course, John Maynard Keynes. As we've already explained, that squirrel holding a martini glass, it's a visual pun on the Keynes line, Animal Spirits. It is about as fashion-forward as you can get. And just imagine if this T-shirt is the Sex in the City moment for John Maynard Keynes. If enough of you buy this shirt, it could become a trend unto itself. In 2015, 
you'll start to see cartoon-based visual economic puns everywhere you look. Urban Outfitters will have a blank T-shirt with the words Invisible Hand at the bottom. The Gap will have a whole line of shirts with a picture of a washing machine, and next to the delicate and normal buttons will be a button marked Business. I think you have to explain that one for them, Alex. Business cycle. It's obvious. <laughs> you guys can make it happen. We have until Tuesday, 4.55 p.m. If you want a T-shirt, this is your one and only time to get one. As always, we want to know what you thought of today's show. You can email us, planetmoney at npr.org. Or you can find us online, npr.org slash money or planetmoney.com. We also put a picture of the Frank Stella painting, which inspired our pink T-shirt. And we'll put links to our Kickstarter page where you can go and get your own T-shirt. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm Caitlin Kenny. Thanks for listening. I'll wear your cars, my dear.